Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Recorded live from the lobby of the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Welcome to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. Every week, I will have a different guest on the show to discuss different parts of the beer world, from brewers, importers, educators. This will allow us to examine the dynamic world of beer through different lenses. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. So today, I am very excited to welcome back in the studio Brett Robison, he is the co-founder, general manager, and COO of Silver Branch Brewing Company in Silver Spring, Maryland. Now, for those of you who follow the show, you will know that we interviewed him way, way, way back in the day when he was just starting, kind of planning out the brewery, looking for a space, or or he had a space, but things were still like really in the planning phase. And then he um, and his co-founder, Christian, came in and talked about things as they were ramping up for the opening and different beers that they were featuring um, and a lot of kind of different things that they were going through while opening the brewery. Well, now he is here triumphant. The brewery is open. It is thriving. It is absolutely stunning. I think we've mentioned it a handful of times on the brewery, on the, on the show. I think two weeks ago we talked about your slow pour pills and um, we actually recorded at your brewery uh, two weeks ago. So again, thank you for that. But welcome back to the studio. Thanks so much for having me again. Yeah, of course. So, all right, before we get into all the things, how are you doing? How was your weekend? How was your week? Drinking anything fun lately? Yeah, actually, um, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. I, uh, we, fun things that we had recently, we did a... Uh, barrel-aged beer tasting at the brewery with uh, um, Christian and our one of our brewers, Chris, and uh, a couple other people. Some of the guys from Right Proper just happened to be visiting that day, and so we did some tasting with them, and we lined up a bunch of commercially available examples of barrel-aged stouts mm-hmm. and just kind of went through them one by one um, to taste them and kind of see what uh, flavors came out and and examine how people are positioning them in the market um, because we are getting ready to release our own barrel-aged stout coming up uh, the day before Thanksgiving. So we oh. wanted to... Oh, not the day after. Not like the day Goose after. Island. No, 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 the day before. <laughs> oh, okay. And so uh, we wanted to get a sense of like what else is out there and what were our favorites because part of that process for us is we're going to blend in some of our Imperial stout, mm-hmm. uh, to add some body. So we were trying to use this as a benchmark for understanding what characteristics we felt were important for delivering a really tasty barrel aged beer. That's so cool. So and for the listeners, uh, right proper is a brewery here in DC. Um, they have two locations, one in, um, near U street and one, um, in Brookland, um, and they make a really cool range of styles and have a lot of fun. Um, so that is really cool. What did you discover? What were some of the ones that you tasted? So the ones that really stood out to us, uh, we tasted a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, 
kind of on different ends of the spectrum and serving different needs. We really enjoyed Oscar Blues 1050, the barrel-aged version. Uh, that one was pretty big on flavor. Um, had a very boozy aroma, but was still a really nice drinking beer. And this one's out of Oscar Blues out of Colorado. Yep. Exactly. And then we also did uh, the brewery's uh, So Happens It's Tuesday, Mm -hmm. which was the highest ABV. It was like 15%. And I was totally blown away by what a balanced and well-made beer that was, given how high in alcohol content it was. It was was pretty pretty remarkable. So Um, like that alcohol burner kind of mellowed a little bit and... It had, folded into the into the mix of all the other flavors. It had it had mellowed a little bit. It was still present, but it was like it was like it was like they turned the volume all the way up, but mm-hmm. they had the sound system to do it. You know, that's kind of how I would describe it. It's like a lot that's of a great t- description. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. A lot of times people make big beers, but then you know something has to give, and mm-hmm. it usually is not. It's to the detriment of the character of the beer. In this case, it was like it seemed like there was no it. it I was shocked at how well it worked. Um, so that was inspiring because, you know, that wasn't the route that we took for our first barrel-aged stout that we were releasing. We did something that was much more in line with what we also really enjoyed, which was um, Dragon's Milk from New Holland. Oh, yeah. And that was, like, of the ones that we opened and I would want to just drink and drink and drink, and I was just like, wow, this is just so pleasing. Mm-hmm. That one was, I felt it was wonderful... Uh, it had enough whiskey and enough barrel character for me to get the point, but it still felt very much like a beer that I could reach for on any given day. And stylistically, for what we did, mm-hmm. it's much closer to that. So using that one kind of as a benchmark for like, all right, this is what we're sort of going after is something that somebody, it's a very special beer for us, um, but it's also something that, we, we always target this idea of wanting to be able to to uh, make it a really drinkable beer. Yeah. So. And so the beer that you're going to be releasing the day before Thanksgiving, can you give any hints as to what it's going to be like or what you, or what, what barrels you're using or, or so you, we, you don't have to release anything you don't want to release? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's out there. It's in the public sphere. We, we, um, we actually source the barrels from Sagmore up in Baltimore. Baltimore yeah. yeah. So they do um, rye whiskey pr- primarily. I, I think actually exclusively they do rye whiskey. And uh, so there's one, that's one thing. It's in mm-hmm. rye barrels, which is a little unique. Uh, beyond that, it's our Chronicle Tropical Stout, but mm-hmm. just aged in barrels. And then blend. we're going to blend back a small portion of it um, or a small portion of our Imperial Stout Endless Odyssey. So I was I was joking, and I'm not sure it much matters, but I don't know if there's a commercially available example of a barrel-aged tropical stout. Yeah, I, was, I, I can't think of I was just racking my mind. I'm like, okay, I can't think of any. And then also aging it in rye is, is also a little bit different. So that will be really cool. Yeah. And I'm, your your tropical stout is on point, and then you add that kind of like spiciness of a rye barrel. Like, that'll be really fun. Yeah, and I think that's what is a little unique about this beer is as opposed to a classic bourbon barrel where you get a ton of vanilla Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of those, uh, sometimes like those baking spice characteristics, this has not not as much vanilla character, but that's okay because the frame for the tropical stout 
is already a somewhat richer beer in the first place because we use the Indian Panela sugar. So I'm really excited. Uh, we've done a couple trials now, and we've, we're starting to get close on deciding how much of our Imperial Stout to blend into it. Uh, and the, the results, I'm pretty sure, are going to be awesome. I also just geek out for these styles. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, very much into barrel-aged beers. Nice. Yeah, I'm... I'm really finicky about parallel-aged beers. They need to... i very, very finicky about that. Um, and for those of you just tuning in, I'm chatting with Brett Robison. He is the co-founder, general manager, and COO of Silver Branch Brewing Company in Silver Spring, Maryland. We have kind of talked through his journey of opening up a brewery, and now it is open and functional and beautiful. Um, so, all right, let's dive into what opening a brewery is like I mean we've talked about we talked through the planning process and we talked through the kind of the pre-opening process like what was it what did it feel like like opening those doors getting through like the friends and family stuff like I mean I know it's a mad dash at the end but like what were you feeling what were you going through emotional emotional (laughs) okay and how does that make you feel (laughs) um yeah it was it was it was really cool. Definitely the the first day that we were open when we were doing our speeches, I couldn't help but, uh, you know, tear up and want to mention the people in my life that are really important to me, that supported me. Mm-hmm. I think what you learn going through this process is there's a... Um, it, it's taxing for you as an individual, but it's incredibly task, taxing for the people that are around you. And so I think... You know, it was, it was a nice feeling to have reached that point and feel like there's going to be some relief for my girlfriend, who I love yeah. very much, and my dogs, who probably <laughs> <laughs> who missed me on some level. No, it's real. I am married to a chef. I've been through restaurant openings. It affects the people in your life greatly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was, it, that was a really nice thing to have just a moment to acknowledge and sort of celebrate having gotten over that, I think literally the very next day and pretty much ever since it has been pedal to the metal because it's not the the goal is not to just kick the doors open. The Mm -hmm. goal is everything that comes after that. And so, uh, you know, I, I like to think of it as, is it, we were climbing the mountain and then it got steeper and harder and we were trying to do it faster all at the same time. So. Yeah, I mean, I I attended a panel this uh, this earlier this weekend at the Smithsonian Museum. They did their Food History Weekend, and I attended a panel. And I forget who said it, but someone's like, "You got to figure out what your restaurant is like on day three sixty six, right? Getting through the first year, like you get through that first year, there's still a lot of buzz, there's still a lot of hype." And then, you know, right after you hit that benchmark, it's like, all right, how are we evolving? How are we continuing to push boundaries and, you know, still keep our standards and all that kind of stuff? I couldn't agree more. Yeah, your face totally changed when I said that. (laughs) You got, like, really serious. I'm sorry if I brought up, like, something that stresses you out. No, no, no. It's, It's funny because I went through that having helped open restaurants in the past. And... Mm -hmm. You're right. It's the, the year one, you're still the darling. You're still doing, you know, people are, are coming to check you out and, and everything. And then shortly thereafter, if you're not sort of endlessly coming up with new stuff and providing reasons and fine tuning and getting better at what your core is, 
then uh, you endless know, reinvention. Yeah, it, <laughs> but for, at the same time, I love that, right? Yeah. And so we, the decisions of like where we've made for certain things really embrace that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we didn't even end up going with like a mural on our wall, even though we had originally planned to, because we felt that that would be too static for what we are as a business. We're super dynamic and and very fluid in terms of how, how we approach different things. And, And I think one of the things that's super compelling is that nothing is off limits. You know, if you had told me, six months ago that we would have done uh, a fruited goza with some graphic art on the front. I'm not sure that I would have thought that that was something we were going to do, but we totally did. And we had a blast doing it. And I think the results were great. And nothing for us is we're always exploring new ideas and we're always trying to look at what's out there and also just keep things interesting for our fans. Yeah, for sure. Um, so something that, you know, in the, in the opening process and you come from really great restaurants and you have a lot of service experience yourself and you're not all beer, like, you know, cocktails really well, like, you know, wine, you know, you are like triple threat kind of, kind of human being as far as the hospitality field goes. And you had all these aspirations as far as like, I want service to be a big benchmark as far as like what we are. I want people to have a really, really good experience when they come to the brewery. Um, and I think you've done that, you know, like the way that, that you feel when you walk in, it's definitely like a community vibe. I remember when I went one time, my server had noted my name on my credit card. And for the rest of the time they'd come over, they'd be like, hi, Sarah Jean, you know, what can I get you? And I'm like, at first a little like, oh, 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 do you know me? That kind of thing. (laughs) I was like, I "I don't think you know. I don't think we've met before. But then I realized like, you know, she just simply took the time to look at my credit card and took that little extra step. Have you, so obviously you didn't have to sacrifice there, right? Like you maintained that goal and you pulled it through and I think you still are. But are there things that you kind of had in your mind, like, oh, we're definitely going to do this. And then you've had to kind of like, maybe not, be able to do it you know what I mean like were there things that you weren't able to accomplish or maybe not accomplish yet there's definitely some stuff that I want to continue to work on Mm -hmm. certainly some beer styles that we have not been able to make yet that we are very interested in doing more of over time like what well a Doppelbach or a Maybach or uh, any high gravity lager mm-hmm. which there's not many in the marketplace and no. right now we just haven't had the tank space we've had the good problem to have which is that growth has been really intense and so we want to continue to put out new stuff and try new brands and do different varieties and i think our our ambition on that is for the first time now being like okay we have some more fermenters that are being delivered at the end of January, but in the meantime, it's like, all right, let's focus on putting out a few that we committed to making a long time ago and then keeping the core rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of the things that we've had to compromise on are our own crazy imaginations and wanting to do more different stuff. Uh, Beer nerd I, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, I think, I think the, the thing is, is you have these ideas about all these fun styles that you want to explore. And, and we, by and large, have had an awesome opportunity and been very fortunate to 
make a bunch of different stuff. I think there's no limit to how much of that we want to do, though. And then the other side of it is we have to have a viable business to run. And so, you know, just as much as I love making new styles of beer, I don't love having to tell, uh, you know, a very loyal customer of mine, oh, this beer that you've been dependent on selling at your retail store Mm -hmm. or at your bar, not being able to have that. And, you know, sometimes that happens and, and it, I think we're going to make mistakes all over the place and it's much more about how we respond to and come back from those mistakes that's indicative of how things are going to look for us in the future as opposed to the fact that we made the mistake in the first place because I have made plenty. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, we're going to dive into that. We're going to take a quick break uh, on Beer Me on Full Service Radio, recorded live at the Line Hotel. We'll be right back. back to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, recorded live at the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. In the studio today, we have Brett Robison. He is the co-founder, general manager, COO of Silver Branch Brewing Company in Silver Spring, Maryland. We have talked to him through the opening process, and today we are welcoming back in the studio to talk about what it feels like to have it open and successful and beautiful. Um, So before the break... You had mentioned you had made plenty of mistakes, which I think any human being does on a <laughs> regular basis. But when you're a business owner, when you're a small business owner, when you're a new business owner, those mistakes can feel heavier than maybe they are. Um, but what are what are some mistakes that you've made that, that you've learned from? Ones that you're willing to share. <laughs> well, I mean, I think when I think about my role within the business what I am always sort of flirting with is how much freedom to give a manager or somebody that's in a key role versus how much support to provide versus kind of, and so I think I've had more or less success with different people. Um, but ultimately it's, it's trying to understand where to fit in and how to support my team and also manage, um, sort of my own expectations and everybody else's. So I think we've overall done a pretty good job, but I wouldn't say that I, you know, got through that without having made some mistakes. Um, just because you, you want to give people enough space to be creative and be really powerful. And I truly believe that everybody that's working for us has the ability to do a better job at what I've asked them to do than I could. Right. And if if we're building our company that way, then we're set up for success down the road. But sometimes, you know, because I'm in crazy hyper growth mode, I forget like, oh, this person actually also needs my support for a while. Um, And so trying to balance that, I think, is I think it's a mistake that I continue to learn from every day. Uh, But I feel like anybody who thinks they're great at managing people, I would wonder 
how long they've been doing it for because I learn something new every time and I continue to think that I could do a better job with that. Yeah. I think also like, you know, I've managed people in a lot of different capacities and every time I look back, I always like, I mean, maybe this is just who I am as a person, but I pick apart all the like mistakes and interactions that I had or like moments where I was like, like I shouldn't have been so harsh or ah, I let that person walk all over me or ah, you know, I think as a leader, I came off as like too uptight, you know, like that kind of thing. And you kind of like look back and you're like, Ugh, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm like running through my mind exact moments at like Birch and Barley church key right now. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And, and that, the funny thing about it is, is you form what you think is a good sort of strategy for moving forward. And then you meet a new person who's different than any other person you've met mm-hmm. and they throw everything you thought into, uh, you know, disarray. <laughs> and so you got to learn how to adapt to, to take care of them. But I'm really proud of my team. And I think overall, uh, they would have mostly good things to say about me. <laughs> I, I hope so. I hope they're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, you know, something that I, I was curious about, you know, as somebody who's managed a lot of establishments, you know, when you, there's that moment, like you walk into the space in the morning when you're, you know, the opening manager or whatever, you're coming in and you're the first person there and you're, unlocking the door and you're taking down a couple seats and you're setting up your laptop and you know maybe there's like dirty glasses on the bar that you pick up or you know different things that you kind of do even if it's not your place you know you're taking ownership of it right does it feel different like walking in the door in the morning and like knowing like this is this is yours fully yours like is there a different emotion that you're feeling than when you managed places before it is. I think the difference is the feeling of responsibility mm-hmm. to deliver for a much larger group of individuals that are dependent on you. It's one thing when you're a manager, bar manager, general manager, um, and it's important that you do your job and you make sure your people are happy and everything. It's a totally different feeling when you walk through the door and you're like, okay, if I make a really big mistake or if I don't deliver on the things I'm going to deliver on, people are going to be out of jobs. Investors are not going to make money. You know, so I think there's a, 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 a weight that comes with it that I thrive on, mm-hmm. but... I was going to say, you look great. You look well-rested. <laughs> Thank you. Thank so. you. I, I, it, it's strange. It's like, I, like if... if, if if I'm bored, mm-hmm. that's like the worst thing for me. I go into like, uh, like you know, I become lethargic, and I, I need stuff that like scares me just the right amount. Yeah, <laughs> every day right, well, when I wake up, you're scared just the right amount is like a lot higher than the average bear. <laughs> probably, probably. Uh, so yeah, it does. It totally does feel different. That that moment in the morning, and I think now more than ever for me because of my unique position within the organization, a big part of it is there are seven roles I could play today. Mm-hmm. Which one takes priority? And how do I manage myself and my time and what I need to get done to make sure that everybody else is freed up to focus on what they need to do? And so the, the difference for me is 
on any given day, I'll have a game plan, but it may end up that my game plan shifts violently in a different direction. Yeah. And so I have to shift gears and jump into a different, you know, set of boots. And then now I'm doing a different thing than I originally thought. Uh, and then there are boots you don't want, you know, like plumber or electrician, you know. <laughs> well, I'm very thankful that uh, Christian is incredibly handy with that stuff. That's great. So a lot of the, and not just him, but our entire production team is pretty much handling that stuff at this point, which feels good. So I can focus on uh, some of the more nebulous stuff. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Which is good and bad. The nebulous stuff is the stuff that you think about when you're at home eating dinner or when you're not at the brewery. So, yeah, I gotcha. Well, so for people who want to visit the brewery, it's super easy. You can get off the silver spring stop on the red line and it's literally a block away. Yeah. Um, and then do you all have anything fun and exciting coming up aside from your, uh, bourbon barrel aged stout, anything, well, there's a couple things. Yeah. Recently, we rolled out our uh, coffee program, and nice. we are serving lunch now as well. And so, long, long time ago, I always wanted this to be a community spot with that third space vibe. Mm-hmm. And being there now feels really good. So, not everybody that comes into Silver Branch is there just for the beer. A lot of people are coming in in the morning for coffee service now. But we're also rolling out a, um, we're doing our first, we're going through our first New Year's and we're having a New Year's party. So, oh, cool. Yeah, we're saving some of our uh, really fun beers and we're going to put them on tap on New Year's Eve and we're going to do a whole shindig and, and it's going to be an open bar situation. So it'll be a really good time, kind of like a celebration of like, hey, we made it into 2020. <laughs> Look at us go. You know, I spent last year at a brewery for New Year's at Black Narrows Brewing Company in Chicatig. That's the way to do New Year's. Yeah. It's really low key, ordered some pizza, drank some beer, hung out with a bunch of different people. It's awesome. So I wholeheartedly agree with you that brewery is the way to do it. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. I'm, I'm curious to see how many people come out, but... Um... I think we're going to have a really great time. So, And then when is your one-year anniversary? So that'll be uh, beginning of March next year, so March 3rd. Okay, March 3rd. But we're, having our, we're releasing our 100th batch on Friday. So this that, Friday? Yeah, that's our Belgian quad. It's called uh, Silver Century. Nice. So, yeah, hard to imagine that we've already brewed 1,500 barrels of beer this year. Yeah. Well, okay. You know, you're complaining about not doing Doppelbach, but you're doing a Belgian quad. Like, you're having fun. <laughs> yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> that is true. Well, big time congratulations. I am incredibly happy for you. This is a huge accomplishment. You guys are definitely knocking it out of the park. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, listeners, definitely check out Silver Branch Brewing Company in Silver Spring. Um, check out their new releases. And if you don't have any New Year's plans already, book that for sure. That'll be great. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to reach out on Instagram at BeerMeRadio or on Gmail, BeerMeRadio at gmail.com. Any questions or comments, greatly appreciated. This has been Beer Me on Full Service Radio, recorded live at the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I am your host, Sarah Jane. We'll see you next week. Cheers.